Well, we do want to see the nations worship Him because He's worthy. He is Creator and Sustainer of all that there is. And so today, if you enjoyed water, food, then give thanks to Him and worship Him. If you enjoyed the blessing of family or relationship, friendship, those are good gifts from Him. If you have a sense of His presence right now and you're able to commune and to communicate with the living God, that's because of Him. He is the reconciler. He's the one who was our mediator between a holy God and a busted people. And He died an atoning death that paid the price and the penalty for our sins so that the chasm between ourselves and God could be bridged. And so we worship Him. Because He's been the very source of life for us. As John Piper has said, the reason there is mission is because there is no worship amongst some people's. And our mission is to take good news to them about what a great Savior Jesus is so that they can know Him and have relationship with an eternal God and thereby know life as we get to know life. That's what Jesus came to do. And He said in John twenty twenty one, Just as the Father has sent me, to bring that good news, to show the way to life. Just as He has sent me, I'm sending you. And that's why we've been focusing for these weeks on our mission that has been given to us from above. It's not something that uh, we dreamed up. It's something that God called us to. Be bearers of the good news. Allow other people to come to know Christ through your life. So, I'm calling today the choice about taking a road that is less traveled. Now, it's not as small as you think. Uh, by some estimates, at least a third of the world's population follows Christ. But be that as it may, there's still a whole lot that don't. And so there is a road that is more traveled and a road that is less traveled. And I'm inviting and calling on behalf of Christ today that we go the road that is less traveled. And that little phrase was first turned by Robert Frost. Some of you are familiar with that little poem. And in the poem, he uh, helps us to see that life is faced with choices about which road we will take. And both may look very appealing to us, but one of them makes all the difference. And the road less traveled, the road that goes after Christ and walks in His steps and lives in His purposes and carries out His mission, that makes all, all the difference. And so I wonder, are you on that road that is less traveled?
traveled today. It's a road that Jesus traveled. We are told in the book of Philippians that this road of sacrifice, this road of service, this road of of giving of yourself in a uh, life-giving way looked like this. Jesus, though He was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to or grasp. Instead, He gave up His divine privileges and He took the humble position of a slave and He was born as a human being When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death upon the cross, Philippians 2. That's what that road looks like. It looks like saying no to self, sacrificing things that self can and maybe should even enjoy and experience for the sake of life working in others. That's the road we're talking about today. It's a road that Paul took, the apostle. In Philippians 3, Paul said, I want to know Christ. I I want to have this full experience, this full awareness, this full engagement of Christ. I want to know all about the power that raised Him from the dead. I even want to suffer with Him and share in that death. Why? Because everything that is about Christ, I want that to be about me, Paul said. And he did that. Now, if you know anything about Paul, you know that uh, that was no small thing. The apostle was a man of privilege. He was a Roman citizen. He was university trained. Uh, There's no question that he was a man of means. And he gave up his uh, possessions, his wealth, for the cause of Christ. He also was a man of position. He studied under famed leaders in his day. He was a fast-rising star in the religious community, in the greater community. And he gave all that up so that he could know the full fellowship of Christ. And all the things that education and position and, and possessions can provide for you, the various pleasures, he gave all those things up. You've read his story, you know. He was a man that at one point went through a lot of deprivation, a lot of abuse, uh, some hard uh, crisis-type experiences, for which he was pleased to experience all of that because it was all in his following of Christ, all on the road that is less traveled. Are you on that road? Is Christ that preeminent and that important to you? Uh, this past week I did a little bit of travel. And you know what I found whenever I had, and I had I only went one place, but I had several stops, and so I kept waiting in airports and waiting at gates. And you know what they keep doing at these gates? They will announce over and over again the flight number and destination that's going to happen at this gate. They don't want you trying to walk through a gate that they're not going to allow you admission to because you've got the wrong flight number and the wrong destination. So it's a little gate check time, friends. 
Do you know what flight and what destination? Do you know what road you're on? Are you, in fact, on the road to eternal life? Have you, in fact, approached the gate that is the person of Jesus Christ? And as He so possessed your heart that you live and breathe the way He lived and breathed, you get cut and you bleed the purposes and the plans of Christ. Well, today I want us to focus for just a couple of minutes on Mark's Gospel, the 10th chapter. Familiar story to you, but I want you to listen carefully to the things that took place in the little story. It's a, it's a time in the life of Jesus when a young man who apparently had authority over some other people and uh, was a, a, a good bit of wealth approached Jesus with a big question. And because of these little uh, positions in his life, we come to call him the rich young ruler. And so in chapter 10, beginning in verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Now, that's a pretty humble deal for a wealthy ruling kind of guy to do. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Let's just pause there for a moment. Because what you will immediately discover in this man's thinking is thinking that is very similar to Americans. And that is the thought that I get squared up with God, I get the benefits and the blessings of God based upon my behavior. How good am I? And so in this man's thinking, Jesus was probably the best example of goodness he had ever seen. And he had already attempted to be very, very good. We're going to see that in the text in just a moment. And so he comes up to the goodest person that he had ever seen and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Am I standing at the right gate? Am I going to board the right flight of eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. That's one of the biggest pieces of theology, friends, you can ever get. No one is good. Who's good? No one except God. Right out of the lips of Jesus. I don't care how good your great-grandmother was. What a saintly person your great-grandfather or your parents or you think that you are. Or anybody else that you would consider. Nobody is good but God. We're all depraved. We're all fallen. We're all busted. Some of us more so than others. But it's not on a curve. You're either good or you're not. And Jesus said nobody is. Except God. So he says, you know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. Verse 20, Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. 
I'm very, very good. I'm gooder than anybody probably you can find around here. And Jesus looked at him. And here's a huge word, friends. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Now, this guy was as wrong as he could be. This guy was on the wrong path. He was standing at the wrong gate. He was not on the road less traveled. He was on that more traveled road, particularly the one that says uh, you will accomplish all the things that you want to accomplish and be where you want to be if you're good enough. And Jesus looks at him without condemnation, not in any kind of punitive way, but with love. And he says, okay, here's one thing that you lack. Go, sell everything you have, and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now here's the one thing you lack. And what was that? Treasure in heaven. Do you have treasure in heaven? This man had all kinds of wealth and possessions. He had all kinds of position. He was an influential ruling kind of guy. No doubt all kinds of pleasures associated with all that. He goes, well, I don't care how much of that you have. Here's what you lack. You don't have treasure. In heaven. So it was gut check, gate check time. Do you really want the treasure that is in heaven? Here's how you know liquidate everything you got. And, and Jesus doesn't even say, cash it all in and give it to me, like a lot of televised preacher types would say today. He said, cash it all in and give it to someone else. See, Jesus doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your stuff. He doesn't need your influence and your position. He simply calls upon us to engage certain sacrificial experiences in life so that we know what's really important to us. What kind of treasure do we really have? Do we have treasure that's here or do we have treasure that's there? It's the kind of question that brings revelation to us. And notice what is revealed, verse 22. And at this the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. No treasure in heaven, but great wealth. Now, What are we to make of the story of the rich young ruler with Jesus? Very simply this, friends. There will be frequent experiences that God will bring about in our lives, that God will orchestrate, if you will, to show us what's true and what's real in us. You follow me? I blogged about this earlier in the week. Some of you have been following the story of Bernard Madoff, that Ponzi scammer investment guy that I don't know how, but he 
was able to enlist some of the most wealthy people to invest through him, allow him to make investments on their behalf. And uh, if you follow the story, you know that he really didn't make investments. He just pocketed money that they gave him, used some of it to make the appearance of dividends to others, but basically ripped off a lot of people for unbelievable amounts of money. You follow that story? And so as I was reading about this earlier in the week, and uh, I came across the name of one of his investors, Eli Weissel, the Holocaust survivor, the author of over 57 books, man who was very poor at one time but now has become rich, invested with Madoff, lost $22 million of his personal funds and $15 million of his charity's funds. And the minute I'm reading that, I just winced and I went, oh, wow, what a loss. And I just kind of in a knee-jerk way said, how in the world would I handle it if I lost $22 million? Have you ever imagined having millions? <laughs> I know it's a waste of time, but it's kind of fun. You know? just... And so just for a moment, I, I imagined, what would it feel like to lose that much money? And immediately, just that kind of knee-jerk thing, my heart said, it'd be okay. Because you have Christ. And I didn't even mean to. But in that moment, I revealed to myself what the true treasure in my heart is. And so I invite you to do the same thing. Only, let's get real. Nobody in here is going to lose millions. But what if you lost a spouse? What if you lost another loved one? What if you lost a child? What if you lost what wealth you do have? What if you lost your health? What if you lost your dream? Would you be okay? I mean, obviously, those things would hurt. They could devastate. Uh, we'd feel it in a deep kind of way. We'd have to recover. It'd be like knocking the breath out of us and we'd have to regain our breath in some kind of way. So I'm not saying trust Jesus and it'll all feel fine. I'm just saying if Jesus is your true treasure, you can recover from any of life's hits. And not just recover, not just survive, but thrive in an eternal kind of way if He is your treasure. So friends, some of the circumstances that go on in our life from time to time, lose a job, we, we get disoriented and we make some bad choices and we have all these kinds of outcomes that hit us. Some of these things that go on in our lives are gate checks. They're heart checks. Am I really on the right road? Am I really esteeming the most important things? Do I really have it squared up with me and God? Or do I play some kind of religious game and I, and I attend religious activities and experiences? But my treasure is really, it's just all bundled up right here. Because friends, if that's what it is, you want to know that. But if in fact your treasure is in heaven, 
then your perspective on this world and all your circumstances are radically transformed. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. I mean, you have to kind of let that whole imagery impact your mind. A guy's just out in the field taking care of business and boom, stumbles across, across this great treasure. And then what does he do? He liquidates everything that he has so that he can have this field with the treasure that it contains. Is that how important Christ is to you? Everything pales in comparison. You'd be willing to give it up, to give all of it up, so that the reality of, of Christ is true in you. If that's the case, if you're legitimately a Christ follower who has Christ on the throne of his heart, then Jesus' words, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, apply to you. And our mission, just to be clear, is not to bring condemnation in this world. It's not to do a finger wag and get everybody to clean up their act. It is to point them to Christ so that they can know saving grace. Now, that's very element, elementary. But it brings me to what these days have been about. Will you commit yourself to Christ? Do you understand Him to be the treasure that He is? And will you give your heart to Him so that He is esteemed best and first? So that I could lose anything and everything in life, but let me never, ever lose Christ. Christ said if that's your heart toward Him, then you never will lose Him. That the Father's hand will hold you and nothing can ever pluck you out of the Father's hand. Once you give your heart to Him. Will you join God in carrying out His mission? See, there's nothing profound. We're just, just doing the gate check today, friends. Are you on the road that's less traveled? Does He have your heart? If He has your heart, then are you... Joining Him in what He's up to in this world. Thereby sacrificing whatever is necessary. The little card that's in your program today, for a Christ follower whose treasure in heaven, that card is a no-brainer. A no-brainer. Will you give? Of course I will give. How much? I'll give whatever God tells me to give. How will you know? Uh, God, how much do you want me to give? And I will allow him to communicate that to my heart. Will you pray? Well, of course I'll pray. Like every week for things that are going on in the kingdom of God around the world. Of course I will. It's a no-brainer if your heart belongs to him and your treasure is in heaven. Will you serve here, there, abroad, however he guides your steps? Of course, absolutely. And so, the card, my friend, is just a little tool to help you do a little gate check. Am I on the path? Am I on the way? That's less traveled. But it's the way Jesus went 
It's the way Paul went. It's the way hundreds and thousands of saints before me have gone and many after me will go. Am I on that? There's mission. Because there is still a lack of worship for the one who is worthy. Let's pray about that together. So this is between you and God as we pray. Friend, if there's any question, if there's any doubt, if there's any wondering in your heart today, do I have treasure in heaven? Have I actually been playing the good game and trying to be good enough? Then friend, will you settle that right now? If you want to have Christ in your heart and eternal life as a part of your destiny, will you just simply invite Christ, who is Lord, to be your Lord? Something like this, Lord, I've been sitting on the throne of my heart. I've been running my life. And I acknowledge now, you are Lord. And I get off the throne of my heart. I invite you to take the throne of my heart. Run, rule, reign over my life. Forgive me of my sins. Save me from separation from you. Allow me to be a child of God. And if you are a child, will you pray this prayer? Oh God, I'm yours. Anything you want, it's yours. I'll give any way you direct. I will pray every time you prompt. I'll serve in every place and in every way that you tap my life for. In the glorious name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen.